It wouldn't uh, be a stretch of the imagination to tell you that my least favorite subjects in school were math courses. All of them. Like algebra and geometry. From the very beginning, didn't really care much for math. I felt they must have been something conjured up by the devil himself to make life miserable. But of course, as I, I now know that uh, God has intricately organized his universe, and the whole reason math works at all is because of God's creative and precise design, although I still have very little use for any of the math that I did learn. Early in geometry, I learned that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Very basic. And yet, interestingly, God often does not work that way. That there's a point A where you are, and a point B where you believe, you understand God is taking you. But instead of being able to go straight there, you experience all kinds of detours and bypasses and deviations and delays. You think that the shortest distance is a straight line, but God takes you on a zigzag course. Why? Why do those, especially those of us who follow Jesus, seem to sometimes end up on alternate routes, zigzagging to get to the destination God has planned? I'm indebted to Don Sanukian for some thoughts on this. Look at what God did in the history of Israel. I want to take you to the second book of the Bible, Exodus, and think about detours this morning. Because here we learn why God takes us on detours and how we can then stay encouraged uh, even when life does not go in the straight line we think it should. So let me give you a little background to get us to our text this morning, well-known territory, but uh, let me remind you anyway, the book of Exodus begins by telling how the people of Israel became slaves in Egypt. They're enslaved there for 400 years. God hears their cries all along. God's been preparing a deliverer for the right moment. That deliverer is Moses. Moses was to lead God's people to the land of promise, the, the place that God had promised Israel. God sent plagues on the Egyptians to convince them, uh, and especially their leader, the Pharaoh, to convince them to let his people go. It took ten plagues, as we see them laid out in the first few chapters of Exodus, ten plagues before Pharaoh said to Israel, to Moses, uh, take everything and get out of my land and go serve this God of yours in the place that he has for you. And so point A for Israel is slavery in Egypt. That's where they are. And point B is freedom in the land of God's promise. Uh, let me just show you on a map what that looks like. You see, there is Egypt. Israel was specifically in the land of Goshen. Uh, it is a straight line to the land of promise, to Canaan. In fact, there's an international highway in that day called the Way of the Philistines or the Way of the Sea because it ran along the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. So this international highway, it would take you 10 days to walk from Egypt to Canaan. 10 days. 
That's a straight line, A to B. But God sent them on a detour. It would take them 40 years to make that trip. Uh, And that's one of the possible routes. You see that dotted, dashed line throughout. That's uh, a possible way that we went. Don't know exactly. uh, That's some guessing there. But it was definitely a zigzaggy, loopy route. Let me tell you, very soon I'll be uh, getting in a car with my family and driving to New York to visit our families. Uh, Let me tell you which of those routes I'm planning to take. I'm planning to get there as quickly as possible, a straight line route. I don't know what God has in store, uh, but that's what he had in store for Israel, uh, a jagged route. So God sent them on a detour. Let's pick it up. Uh, uh, Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So here's a fundamental reason why God sometimes takes us on alternate routes. On the straight line path, we would not make it sometimes. The direct route for Israel was dangerous. Uh, There were military garrisons and Egyptian checkpoints and enemy outposts along the way. And the Israelites, they've been enslaved for four centuries They're brickmakers, they're shepherds, they're servants, they're farmers, they're unarmed, they're inexperienced, and they're no match for warriors of any type. And God says if they get into battle at this point, it's going to be a disaster. The first taste of battle would have them running like kittens from a pit bull. And so God took them into no man's land. God took them on a wandering zigzag journey. Next verse, verse 18. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. Now let me point out to you that some versions, you might have one of them, say that they went up armed for battle. Uh, That is not a good translation of this uh, because that's not the sense of the word. This was not about weapons. This was not about armor. Uh, This was about how they traveled. They were marching orderly not fleeing like fugitives. Yes, they're going on a zigzag course out into the wilderness, but this is not a mistake. They're not fleeing like fugitives. They're marching orderly. Uh, This was an an advance in the direction God led them. So let me just tell you right off the bat, don't think that uh, just because something is not smooth sailing that this is not God's will. Uh, Just because your marriage is not all roses and, and uh, wine, uh, that doesn't mean that this is the wrong person. Uh, God's will is not determined by ease. Uh, it, just because things go smoothly doesn't mean this is God's will. Just because they're rough doesn't mean... Uh, he took, orderly took the Israelites this direction. And what happened? They faced a lot of issues. On this zigzag course, they ran out of food, they ran out of water. Why would they do that? Well, first of all, it's going to take a lot longer than 10 days. So they ran out a lot sooner than they might have anticipated. But God was doing this so that they would learn to depend upon Him. God provided water. God provided food in miraculous ways so they'd know that their source was God alone. Uh, And He took them on this long way to prepare His people. Uh, This is one reason. God uses detours to prepare and equip us. The detours in your life, God is using them to prepare you to equip you in this journey of life. 
And whenever we're sent on a zigzag instead of a straight line path, we must trust in the wisdom of God. And the problem, though, is that this can get very discouraging for us. We want the direct route. When we get detours and alternate routes, we get frustrated and cause us to complain and to doubt God. That's exactly what happened with Israel. So how can we fight off despair and discouragement? Well, let me tell you, if your point B is from God, that is, if you're going the direction God wants for you, planned for you, there are a couple of ways that you can stay encouraged. Let me point them out to you in the very next verse of the text, verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. So of all the things that were packed for this journey, Moses packed a coffin. And I can just imagine, I, I, maybe, maybe four, that's because 400 years before, as Joseph lay dying, he said, this is not the finish line. God is going to take you out of this place. Egypt is not your home. Canaan is your home. That's the promise. So when the time comes, take my bones with you. And I would imagine that that coffin probably led the way or at least was very prominent in the march out of Egypt. I can imagine a child saying, Mommy, what's in that box we're carrying? Those are bones, son. That's gross, Mom. Why are we carrying them? We're taking them to Canaan. But, Mommy, we're not going to Canaan. We're headed out into the wilderness. No, 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 son, we we are headed to Canaan. This this coffin is going to Canaan. Do you understand that no matter how many twists and turns, that coffin was a daily reminder of where they were headed. And when that 10-day trip turned into 40 years, that coffin was proof of the final destination. Here's the point. Uh, How do you stay encouraged on detours? Number one, you hold on to every reminder of God's promise. You have to hold on to every reminder of God's promise. If your dream is from God, then every so often, out of the blue, that you're going to be reminded of that. Somebody might say something that confirms the dream is still alive. It it could be that you're single, and and out of the blue, one day, some dear lady says, you know who I think would make a great couple? You and -and so-and-so. And that's what you think, too. And you hear this as a confirming word from God in some way. Or you read something that's confirming the word of God. For example, in the midst of a long struggle I was in, I remember I was reading through the Bible. It was in the summer, and I got to Zephaniah chapter 3, and one phrase jumped out, he will quiet you with his love. For whatever, I needed that at that moment, to realize that all the turmoil that I've experienced, all that, that, that I, I can be quieted by the love of God, that I can be calm in the middle of this storm. It was that reminder that I needed to keep going. God will use words, he will use events to confirm that that dream is still alive. And if you aren't willing to expend the energy to hold on to God's promises, don't expect to be encouraged along the way. Uh, A few weeks ago, my wife Amy was in a throwing away mood, which doesn't happen all that often. But she was like, I hate this furniture. We've been dragging around from place to place forever. And, and, and I'm fine with that. Let's, get, let's burn it all down. I'm fine with that. Well, no, there's no insurance people here. Are there? That's not what we're going to do. But of all the things, we, we, she actually pointed to a picture on the wall, a, a print of a painting that we've had for about 20 years. And she said, I'm really to get rid of that. And I said, no, you can't get rid of that. Don't you remember why we had that? Don't you remember what was going on in our lives when that happened? We went and bought that print specifically as a reminder of God's faithfulness and his answer. On the very day that he brought that answer, we bought that painting. We can't get rid of that. See, 
To me, it's far more than a print of a painting. It's a reminder of God's faithfulness. You have to hold on to reminders. And if you don't want to cart around a box of bones that are a symbol of God's promise, don't be surprised if your detour brings you some despair. Notice the next verse is verse 21. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So here, even in the desert, God let his people know that he was there. Yes, they're going on a zigzag course through the wilderness, but God's here. A column of cloud guided them in the day. Uh, th- at night, that column was filled with fire, so they had a night light. They had a GPS system uh, that you very much need to know the presence of God when you're wandering. And when the cloud moved, they moved. They're headed into the unknown. Freed from the brutality of slavery, this nation stepped out into the desert with this visible sign that God was with them. Not a few days, that column of cloud also protected them because suddenly Pharaoh changed his mind again and sent his army to get Israel back. And suddenly they're trapped with Pharaoh's army coming behind them and the sea in front of them with nowhere to go. But God's pillar of cloud came in between and shielded them. The enemy could not see Israel. And then God parted the waters overnight and Israel walked across on dry ground. That cloud was their protection, the cloud of God. That cloud gave them a protection from the desert heat as well. So notice this principle. How do you stay encouraged on detours? Second, you expect signs of God's presence wherever you go. Expect signs of God's presence wherever you go. When you find yourself on a detour, God is going to give you a tangible sense of his presence. You will experience his guidance, his protection along the way. You need to look for indications or you will miss them. This is an exciting truth for all of those who belong to Jesus. Life has purpose. Life has direction when you belong to Jesus. You're not self-directed. You're not self-sufficient. When your trust is in Christ alone, you're set free from the empty way of life. You've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. You're chosen by God. Your life is a journey toward all that God has promised. His peace, His forgiveness, His presence, His assurance now in this life and eternal joy in the life to come. So life for you is not a series of unfortunate random events if you're in Christ. If you belong to Jesus, He is at work in all things for the good of those who love Him. In fact, Romans 8.12 says that if you are God's child, you are led by God's Spirit. You know how powerful that is? Do not take that for granted. If you belong to Jesus, if you put your trust in Christ alone, you are guided, you are led by the Spirit of God. So you need to be looking for that guidance, that leadership, that presence of God every day and every way in your life. He's at work in all the events that are happening to you, shaping you to be more like Jesus, equipping you for everything that's ahead in your journey. So put it in these words to simply say, God sends detours because he knows what's best for us. That's the bottom line. Why are there detours in my life? Why are there alternate routes? Because God knows what's best. For example, maybe you just started working at a new company. And as you think about the future, you imagine what God may do. You you just imagine that, that he has something more for you in this company than where you're at. You sense that he might take you to upper management. You imagine that maybe at someday there's a corner office with your name and a gold plate on the door. The shortest distance between point A, where you are right now, and point B is a straight line. 
And that straight line might be, well, you get a very important assignment and you're put together with a team and they put you in charge of the project and you lead that team to complete things on budget and, and on time. And, and so the bosses notice you and, and they put you on the fast track. And so when the day comes that corner office opens, you're the first choice. But if God is taking you there, that might not be a straight path. You might not get that assignment. You might not be asked to do anything important. In fact, you might be put on a project that seems to have nothing to do with the core of that company. And so the bosses don't notice you. And you end up in some side cubicle. Nobody seems to know you're alive. Why? Why would that happen? Well, I don't know, but maybe a, a new position that you wanted contained a danger known only to God himself. Perhaps if you were wildly successful right away, it would take you away from your family. Your marriage would struggle and suffer. Uh, th there are reasons why. Or maybe point A is that you're single, and you believe that God's point B is marriage. And if it were a straight line, then suddenly one day your, your friends at church would introduce you to somebody. And you'd hit it off. You'd find you have a lot in common. You, you share your faith in Jesus together. You, you share some interests. You, you share the fact that you're both so attractive. And, and, uh, and things begin to progress. You, you go out on a, a group date. And you, you go out on a, a date with each other. And then uh, eventually things get serious. You're exclusive. And, and eventually you meet each other's parents. And, and uh, finally you set the date for marriage. That's a straight line. But that doesn't seem to be the line that you're on. No, you're on a zigzag course of never meeting anyone who's quite right or someone who doesn't think you're quite right. But if you trust God knows what's best, He's at work. And that means that there are things right now you need to learn. There are issues you need to resolve that not only haven't you resolved, you might not even know what those issues are. And so this zigzag course is a time for God to prepare you and equip you if you're paying attention, if you're listening, if you're looking. Or maybe you are fascinated by nanotechnology. And you don't know exactly what specific area of nanotechnology you want to be invested in, but it's time for you to choose a cause. So right off, your first choice is Rice University. Because they have a nanotechnology program, they've got a master's degree, they've got a PhD, you can figure out which of those directions you're going to go in, and it's, that's the shop choice. Another choice for you is, is SUNY Polytech. Uh, they have the same program, and, and they, they also have a master's degree and a PhD. And your third choice is the University of Hawaii, because after all, it's the University of Hawaii, they don't have anything you want, but they got Hawaii. So those are your choices. And the, the two top choices do not pick you. And your parents say no to the University of Hawaii. But you get into the University of Arkansas and their nanotechnology program. They don't have a master's degree in that. They, they don't have a PhD in that. And you wonder, where is this leading? What's going on? But there, in the, in the very first few weeks, you're at the University of Arkansas. You, you remember, right? We, we've got one of, our, one of our global workers there, Tim Castile. He, he leads campus ministry there. And you get connected with Tim, and you, you become part of a, a group of, of young people who, who love Jesus. And actually, instead of your faith shrinking, your faith begins to grow and expand. And, and all of a sudden, you, you, you realize over the course of that year that nanotechnology isn't really where you're, you're thinking. In fact... It, Femtotechnology, something that's only hypothetical. That's, you're in on the ground floor of that. God's leading you in a whole different direction. 
That's how God works. Not on the straight line path. The zigzag course, and we have to recognize it. See, one of my most favorite passages of Scripture is 2 Corinthians 2, which says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. There's much more in that passage. That's the key point. Do you understand that if you're in Christ, if your faith is in Jesus, He's leading. He's leading you in triumph, even when it seems to be defeat. The greatest defeat, seemingly, of all time is the cross. And where did that lead? To the greatest triumph. If you're in Christ, following Him is leading you on that path. It might not be a straight line. But God has other purposes, and one of them is to spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Wherever God has placed you, to spread that fragrance of Jesus to those who are without faith, to those who are with. That's what God has for you. We want a life without detours. That's what we want. We want a straight line path. But with God, often the shortest distance is a zigzag. And for those who are in Jesus... The detours don't need to get us down. Hold on to every reminder of God's promise. Expect signs of God's presence wherever you go. The journey might not progress the way you anticipated, but God has promised, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. See, with God, every detour is the shortest way to get there. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the example of Israel and how you worked so long ago in their lives. We recognize that you, God, are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you are at work in our lives today. We have so much more because we have Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your Son. We thank you for the Holy Spirit of God right now guiding and leading your people. So, Lord, may we trust you. Whatever detours any of us may feel that we're on right now, may we trust you. As the God who is in charge of all, we give you honor and glory in the name of our Savior, Son Jesus. Amen.